0: Chapter 7. Bad Plans and Big Surprises Her mom was still fast asleep when Pau climbed up the fire escape to Dante's window a couple of hours later at 5.30 a.m., lifted the screen to let herself in, and breathlessly explained her plan. Please tell me you've been body-snatched, and the real, slightly more rational Pal will be back soon, he said. Keep your voice down, Pau whispered scolded, flipping on the light and sitting on the corner of the bed as he continued to look at her in horror. She couldn't exactly blame him. Going to the Gila had always been dangerous, but revisiting the scene of the crime with the hope that the deranged kidnapper would be there? Downright madness. But if they didn't do something, they'd be doomed to inhabit the uninformed sidelines of Emma's investigation for as long as it lasted, and Pow wouldn't be able to stand that. If he comes back to look for Emma's ring, Pow explained, we could be there waiting. To do what, exactly? Dante asked. Find out who he is. We'll see him, and then we can tell the police what he looks like, and they'll match him to the Mesa kidnapper, and then catch him and find Emma. It sounded a lot less nonsensical in her head, she had to admit. Dante looked at her with a pained expression for as long as he could, like he was hoping she'd poke holes in her own plan and save him from having to do it. But Pau did her best impression of a stubborn, chin jutting statue, and eventually he relented. So you want to go sulk? "'Skulk around the river, which is probably crawling with police and reporters, by the way, "'and just hope we spot a kidnapper?' "'Do you have a better idea, Dante?' "'She was beginning to regret not just not just going on her own. "'Yes,' he said, running a hand through his hair until it stood on end. "'Stay home, sleep until a normal time, and let the adults do their jobs.' "'On the news, they said the county sheriffs will be coming in today,' Pal said." We've got to get there now before they do, and maybe just in time to catch the kidnapper while he's trying to remove the evidence. Dante looked at her with big, pitying eyes, and the concern in them made Pau turn away. If she let that pity in, if she let herself feel sad, she might never recover. I'm leaving in three minutes, she said, her voice flat, with or without you. If you'd rather save your energy for soccer or something... God, I hate you sometimes, Dante interrupted, stalking to his dresser and pulling on cargo shorts over the basketball ones he slept in. His hair was still sticking up funny. I get why you want to do something. I'm worried about Emma, too, Dante said as he rummaged for something else. But this seems extreme. For a minute, she pretended not to hear him. After all, she couldn't admit that a girl named Ondina and Emma's disembodied hand were dragging her into it. Dante found a baseball cap and jammed it over his unruly hair. He was still waiting for a response. You and I know Emma better than anyone, Pao said, kicking the leg of his bed as he adjusted his backpack straps. Better than her parents, I bet. We're the ones who should be looking for her, even if they think we're too young. She thought of Ondina again. We shouldn't let other people tell us whether or not we can help her. Dante didn't answer immediately, and Powell found herself getting frustrated with him. With everything. Of course it wasn't a great plan. It wasn't like she had a lot to work with. But was that all that was bothering him? She'd only been trying to push his buttons before with the soccer comment, but had she hit on the truth? Was this the new Dante? Too into hair flipping and sports to go on a mission to save his friend? The sun was just starting to rise, and the desert outside Dante's window was washed in pinks and purples and sage greens. Not a bad morning to risk your life for someone, Pow told herself, even if you have to go alone. It would have been nice to have a dog, though. Pow had, had sung the praises of the Border Collie for its search and rescue potential before, but she'd never thought she'd need one for an actual rescue mission. If you don't like it, you can stay home, she said, trying really hard to sound sincere. I won't blame you. Well, I will, came a familiar voice, and Pau's heart sank. Senora Mata was standing in the doorway, the same crocheted shopping bag from yesterday dangling from her elbow. She looked more disheveled than Pau had ever seen her. Senora, Pau said, her mind going a mile a minute to come up with an explanation for why she was here and what they were doing. But then it came to a screeching halt. Wait, did you say I will? Pau asked. As in, blame him for not coming with me? I truly... Otherworldly smile lit up the old woman's face. Of course I did, she said, her accent thick, the first rays of the sun bouncing off her glasses. I didn't raise a coward, did I? Dante's mouth dropped open, and Pal barely kept hers from doing the same. But, Dios mio, you need to hurry! Get in here before I change my mind about helping you. Helping? Pal began, but she stopped when she saw the look on Dante's abuela was giving. She stopped when she saw the look Dante's abuelo was giving her. "'Yes, senora,' she said instead, and followed her into the hallway. The living room of Dante's apartment was being transformed. Senora Mata had closed the blinds into into the newly risen sun, plunging the space into darkness. Now she was rushing around lighting candles and muttering under her breath, which made Pau think uh, guiltily of her mother still asleep in the apartment downstairs.' Pal wanted to ask a million questions, but something in the señora's straight back and seriously weird expression made her swallow them. She had a feeling she was going to find out what was happening soon, whether she liked it or not. Dante didn't hesitate though. Abuela, ¿qué está pasando? He asked. He asked quietly, sounding more like a little boy than he had in a long time. The señora didn't answer. She finally finished lighting the candles and stood beside her beloved recliner rummaging through the crocheted bag. Abuela, Dante said, a little sharper this time, and Pau wanted to shush him, but she found that, for once, she couldn't speak. The room looked eerie in the candlelight, the icons and statues on the shelves seeming to come alive in the jumping, shivering sta- shadows. Pau hugged herself to ward off a chill, something she'd Never had to do before on a June morning in Silver Springs, but this chill had nothing to do with the temperature outside. When Senora Mata finally looked up from her bag, there was something odd about her eyes, as if they were reflecting the river's green glow. I wanted us to have more time, she said, her English slow and precise, as always, but we'll just have to make do with what we have. What do you mean? Dante asked, his voice higher than normal. What is all this? You have to go, his abuela said. Now, today, before it's too late, the candles won't hold the boundaries of this space for long, and once they fail, a dark look crossed her features. You have to go. Go where? Pau asked, finally finding her voice. To the police? Do you know something? Pa, Signora Mata said, waving a hand dismissively. Maldito policia. They wouldn't know what to do with what I know. What do you know, Signora? Pau asked. Is it about Emma? Can you save her? Quiet, she said. There's no time. Just listen. The third quarter is almost here, and the boundary will be crossable again. The solstice approaches, and if she comes, who, Pao and Dante asked together, but Senora Mata's eyes were unfocused. She didn't seem to hear them. Go toward the river, she said. Take these. She shoved the lumpy, crocheted bag into Pao's hands and snapped at her when she tried to open it. There's no time. You only have five days to go to, the, to try to do the impossible. Go. She took off one old slipper and held it out to Dante who flinched though he had the good grace to look embarrassed afterward What do you what do I need for your chancla What do I need your chunkla for he asked not reaching out for it and Pau couldn't blame him the thing looked about a thousand years old Me estás escuchando she asked him her voice rising and she thwacked him in the arm with the house shoe before letting it fall to the ground at his feet "'There's no time. You have to go now.' "'Go where? Abuela, this is crazy. "'You can't just tell us to go to the river and not tell us why.' "'Creme, mijito. I would tell you more, but...' "'Señora Mata shuddered, her eyes closing, "'the room glowing a little darker, growing a little darker, as she did. "'Pau watched as two of the candles behind the old woman went out. "'The candles won't hold the boundaries of this space for long,' she had said. "'What's happening, señora?' Pow asked, clutching at the bag, something icy cold settling in the pit of her stomach. Out of the corner of her eye, she saw Dante reach down to pick up the chunkla. He yelped, and Pow whirled around to face him. In his hands, the slipper was changing. The worn sole was stretching and widening, the once pale yellow terry cloth turning a deep blue, ridges forming in it like corduroy. Within a few seconds, the transformation was complete. Instead of an old lady's tiny and worn slipper slash weapon, Dante held a brand new blue house shoe that looked to be the perfect size for his foot. Everything Pau had thought she knew about the fixed properties of material objects was slowly unraveling. She felt upended and dizzy, as though she had lost her gravitational connection to earth. But that was nothing compared to what was happening to Signora Mata. Her mouth moved rapidly as she muttered under her breath, not seeming to hear, Dante, as he asked over and over again what was going on. English, Spanish, nothing was getting through. Was she praying? Pau wondered. Senora, she asked again, glancing at Dante, who was backing away, finally going silent as three more candles extinguished themselves. She seeks the dreamer, Senora Mata said in a hollow voice. She is coming. Who's coming? Pau asked, as if in answer and as if in answer, the light in the room changed. No! she exclaimed as the candle wicks caught fire again. This time the candles-the flames burned bright green. Pao? Dante asked, his back pressed against the wall. Signora, Pau said, stepping forward, what do we do? She seeks the dreamer. Signora Mata said again, coming back to herself a little. You must bathe, and then go-bathe? Pao asked, frustrated and afraid. The water, she said, sagging as another candlewick caught green. My water. I don't understand. But Dante was coming up behind her, a large glass jar in his hands. It's okay, abuela, he said, unscrewing the lid. The smell hit Paú all at once. Familiar, almost stinging in her nostrils. Florida water. Dante flicked some on his grandma, but she snapped at him, her eyes still closed. Not me, she said. You, hurry didn't understand, but she dipped her fingers in the jar anyway and smeared the cologne across her forehead like her mom sometimes did. Dante did the same, but when their eyes met, they were wary. Almost all the candle flames were now green, and from what they could see through the cracks in the blinds, the sky outside was turning dark and ominous. "'Go!' the old woman muttered, mumbled, still squeezing her eyes shut. "'Go while she cannot see you. She seeks the dreamer. "'The third quarter is almost here. Go!' Abuela, go! she yelled, and this time her eyes flew open, revealing two green, glowing green orbs that looked nothing like Senora Mata's kind, if slightly judgmental, brown eyes. Pau nearly screamed, and beside her, the jar of Florida water slipped from Dante's fingers and shattered, soaking their shoes. Abuela, he said, stepping forward, but she pushed him away with surprising strength. No mires atrás, she shouted in a grating voice. Pau's Spanish was basically non existent, but she knew this phrase don't look back. Dante, Pau said as the light from the candles in Senora Mata's eyes started to pull at her like Emma's hand in her dream. Dante, we have to go. Are you crazy? He shouted. I'm not leaving her like this. But something was tugging at pow an instinct, a voice, a memory. When the time comes, don't hesitate. It won't save them. We have to go, she said, the restless feeling building to a crescendo in her blood. We have to go now. Something was becoming horribly clear to Pao as the room was stained of venomous green and the walls between her dreams and reality came tumbling down. Whatever was happening couldn't be explained logically. All she knew, without hypothesizing or testing or gathering data, was that she was the dreamer, and it was up to her to stop this before it got any worse. Señora Mata slumped to the floor, green light spilling from her eyes. Dante went over to check her pulse, and she moaned softly at his touch. As tears streamed down his face, Dante lifted her gently onto the couch. He sat down next to her and started to sob. Pal pulled at his arm. Whatever's happening, it's about me, she told him. I have to go to the river. It'll stop. No, Dante screamed. He wiped his runny nose on the sleeve of his t-shirt. I'm the dreamer, Dante, she said. I have to go, even if... No, you're not going anywhere. We have to. But Pal was already leaving, the restlessness driving her down the hallway to Dante's bedroom. She was convinced that if she didn't that green light would swallow Dante and his abuela, Pau's mother, the entire Riverside Palace and maybe even more. This is insane, said a part of her brain, the same part that had won the 6th grade science fair with solid research and testable hypotheses, the part that had executed countless countless eye rolls when her mother told stories about moments just like this. When Pau reached Dante's room, she was knocked down by what felt like a wave. And yet, lying flat on her belly in the doorway, she found herself and the floor completely dry. From the living room came a hissing, raspy sound, an unfamiliar voice saying something in Spanish. Don't hesitate, said Ondina, in Pau's memory. It won't save them. Pau managed to get up and make it to the window before a second wave hit, and this time she saw it coming. A green mist that rippled the shag carpet and pushed her against the screen with a force that she couldn't hope to fight, it brought Dante, and it brought Dante with it, dumping him next to her before, a, before forming a translucent green barrier between them and the rest of the room. This didn't make sense. Mist was just tiny droplets of water hanging in the air, liquid, not solid. Even in its solid form, it would just be tiny ice crystals, not nearly dense enough to. "'No!' Dante screamed, cutting into Pa's attempt to reason as they struggled against the supernatural force. He still clutched the blue slipper. But even if both his hands were free, he wouldn't have been able to break through the mist, whatever it was. "'See, like your abuela said, we have to go. "'We have no choice now,' Pa said, checking around her feet and the crocheted bag she'd never had a chance to look inside of. "'Please, Dante. We can't just leave her,' Dante said, struggling.' struggling to breathe as he pushed against the barrier with every ounce of his strength. We don't know what's. it could. His words cut off with a sob, and he slumped down to the floor. We will fix this, pal," said, putting a hand on his shoulder. We will save her, but we have to go now if we want to have a chance. She barely knew where these words or her certainty were coming from, but when she turned to the window, the force didn't stop her. The only way through this was forward. There was no going back. The rasping Spanish in the other room had stopped, but the green light in the mist continued to intensify, and as it did, a keening sound began to build, raising the hairs on Pau's arms, grating against her eardrums. Pau? Dante asked as the air pressure in the room increased. Dante! Pau The top part of the window shattered, and at first Pau thought shards of glass were hitting her face. But then she realized the window had been blown outward. The stinging she felt, like a thousand biting ants, was coming from her forehead, where she had dabbed the Florida water. Forward. Forward. There was no other way. The green light was almost blinding. Unable to see Dante, Pau flung out her hand and called upon the weird boy-girl magnetism that had sprung up between them recently, causing them to keep bumping into each other with their shoulders, knees, or elbows. "'Please,' she asked, the inconvenient phenomenon. "'Just this once. Let it happen when I mean it to.' Whether Dante could see better than she could, or wordless, or her wordless plea had actually worked, she didn't know. But his hand zapped to hers like a staticky sock to a sweater fresh out of the dryer. Before she could ask him one more time to come with her, the pressure sucked both of them out of the open window. They landed on their butts more gently than Pal would have hypothesized, given the speedy, given the speed of their ejection and the distance of their fall to the ground. Amazingly, their hands remained connected. The chancla in Dante's other fist, the shopping bag, twisted around Pau's arm. She spat out one of her braids. Her forehead and fingertips still stung, along with spots on her feet where spilled Florida water had soaked through her sneakers. In Dante's apartment, green light glowed from every window. Seeing that, Pao was up in a second, and despite Ondina's dream warning, hurried back to the fire escape. Dante followed close behind. But they'd only run a few feet when they hit another barrier, this one completely invisible. They bounced off the solid material, then explored it with their hands. It felt like plexiglass and blocked their access to the apartment in every direction. As Dante pushed and pounded, tears streaming down his cheeks, Pao had the feeling that this part of their journey, the one that took place at the Riverside Palace where, the adults, where there were adults to tell them what to do, was over. This time, she didn't ask Dante. She didn't beg or plead or explain. None of this made any sense, but it was happening, and they had to try to make things right again. As Dante pummeled the barrier, Pau slid her arm under his and turned him around. When they were facing the same direction, she started to run, pulling him toward the river of her nightmares.